You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. Now I'm here with Rashad Jones. Hello. Rashad, tell me a little bit about yourself and what do you do professionally? All right. Well, I'm um, 32. My birthday's actually coming up. My birthday's on Thanksgiving this year. Um, Happy early turkey of a birthday. There it is. I, um, it only happens every eight years. So I only got like a couple of these left, in my opinion. Um, I'm a father. I'm a brother. I'm an uncle. Um, I, I listen to, I've I've probably listened to just about every true crime podcast there is, um, big and small. Um, I've been in my my Netflix documentaries, uh, the murder ones. Yeah, that's usually what my browsing history goes like: comedy special, comedy special. Then it's just straight up murder. <laughs> something insane or like the fbi would just be looking at it like why the fuck is he watching this at one o'clock in the morning dude like in the 90s they would run forensic files and um, um was it uh i think it was called american justice they would run marathons for hours and hours on end and like that was the only thing to watch you know what i mean so like you would end up watching 13 episodes of forensic files and before you knew it you were a true crime addict look i'm telling you when you're a kid and you were way too lazy to get up and find the remote either you couldn't find it or it was just across the room and that tv was on and you're watching like some show either adult swim at two o'clock in the morning or you're watching some dude selling cds or some knives like some dude Mm -hmm. just coming on the screen going let me tell you about this big ass knife for (laughs) 49.99 you can buy this knife and you're sitting there like i want to change it but i'm way too lazy to and then you see true crime shit and i'm like Whoa. So next thing I know, I'm watching a documentary on how three people got murdered and the, the killer, you know, hit himself in a closet when the cops found it. I'm sitting there like 12 years old, like, man, he's still out there. Yeah, he's still in that closet. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I work for I work in uh, the beverage industry, um, a predominantly big one, the red one. But I'm not going to say which one. That's so. funny because I've had buddies that work for um, Coca-Cola. And they yeah. were, and I was actually going to for a while. I was like, how easy it has to be just to like work at your own pace, like stock own stuff up. And he was like, yeah, but it's it's corporate, so it's like that whole feeling. I was like, I get it because I used to work at Walmart, and mm-hmm. shit was so corporate. Like they didn't give a shit. They were like, oh, you didn't stack this right. Well, guess what? That's a strike. I'm like, what? Yeah, is that real? I mean, like I've been there so long that it doesn't really affect me because I know how things are supposed to look and what they're looking for. So it, it's a different uh, aesthetic. Well, I and, think what's shitty about all jobs, I mean, like it's it, a lot of people don't want to say what they do because they think it's not worth anything. But if you look up your specific job title and anything, it's going to give you a really fucking good answer for what you're like. I don't do any of that shit. 
Like I work at a hotel during the day and it tells me I'm a clinical supervisor of industrial sanctity hospitality services. I'm like, fuck, no, I'm not. I take out trash and take out (laughs) dirty sheets and stuff. But it's like, that's why I tell people like, because I title it usually what you do professionally than like your podcast in the episode. And, um, people are like, you just go and get good people. I'm like, no, these are average everyday people. I mean, you can let the people know I shot you a straight up DM out of nowhere, you know, slid in there and you were just like, what is this kid about? Like, what is this podcast about? And I'm just like, dude, it's conversation. Dude, I listened to two episodes. Okay. Like I was like, let me, let me get a skip. Did you skip? No, I didn't skip. I'm about to say, if you skip, you will miss so much. The chocolate one. And then I listened to, I was looking for one that had something to do, something that was up my alley. And then I just gave up and I was like, all right, I'm going to just listen to the the very last one he did. And it was, it felt like two people talking to each other. Yeah. You that's I mean? it, There's no comfortability and no realness you get if you have a bunch of stuff that's structured because then you feel like you have to base around that. Like I did a brief for a little while. I did a, a second podcast called Fill in the Blank, which was just like a spinoff of this where we just narrowed down topics. But in the, in the thing, we're talking about like sliced bread and shit. Then eventually we're just going off about sandwiches, like for a good half hour. Everyone's like, dude, have you ever had like a sandwich with melted cheese? And it just goes yeah. off from there. It's like, because we have this side to us that wants to be like real that wants to get our interests out there our opinions out there and get our voice heard but you can't do that if you're going on someone's like you're going on a game show and they're like you have to act this way you can't bid this number and then you get the asshole that bids like a dollar over you and wins the whole lot and you're like son of a bitch yeah the the shit is nuts i mean like I, i i try and find people who on the outside look like someone they want to be on the inside and talk to them about the the whole being into true crime or being into the the macabre or whatever and i get more reaction out of those type of people than the people you see walking around dolled up and not being who they really are they're just you know fake yeah well i I've talked to so many people um, just around the world, and I think everybody that comes to America, it's, it's highly seen here. A lot of people are two-faced um, just on the way they act. It's because we give a default answer. But it, like with serial killers, all these types of things that like people like why there's such interesting shows on it, I kind of want to ask how you got interested in it and even started a podcast on it. Mm. Well, it started with Forensic Files Episode 1, Season 1 with um... – what was her name? Helen, Helen. It was her, her first name's Helen. She's so German. Wait, oh, it's it, Helen Keller. Yeah, I oh. remember. She was a <laughs> psychopath. I would love to see an episode about Helen Keller because she was crazy, crazy. Do you think Helen Keller would be an awesome, like, serial killer? Like, I feel like a lot of her, like, disabilities would really get in the way, but that would be the most unbelievable one. Um, given the time period, um, I feel like it would be over-exaggerated a little bit, um, up until a certain point because she was deaf, dumb, and blonde pretty much. It's funny. But, imagine her like trying to like, just like she kills somebody. Like, did you kill somebody? And they have to like, re- she has to read Braille and she's just like, no, no, but she could, <laughs> you wouldn't even know. Cause I mean, 
honestly, when I see those things, like little dots on like numbers on elevators and stuff, I put my finger up to it and I'm like, I don't know what any of this shit means. This all just nope. feels like bumps. Nope. And um, like, fuck, what was her name? Like, I'm about to look it up real quick. But it was the very first episode of Forensic Files where she was basically fed into a wood chopper. A wood chipper, I'm sorry. And um, it was you see. something that it was so far beyond the realm of understanding for someone who's 10 watching Forensic Files. Wait, oh, uh, okay, you're 10. Okay, I thought you were talking about she was 10 years no, old. No, she wasn't 10, no. Wait, she killed people or did she kill? She just got fed into a wood chipper. She got fed into a wood chopper or wood chipper. Did they find the killer? Yes, they did. Okay. Cool. They did find the killer. It was her husband, obviously. Obviously, the husband does it. You okay. Know, I feel like that's where that that whole saying comes from is the husband did it. It came from that. That's a big controversy because I think a lot of what happened, like, I don't want to always go back to the Salem witch trials, but with the Salem witch trials, like they drowned a lot of women that were accused to be witches and they turned out a lot of them weren't. But also at the same time, (laughs) back in the day, you couldn't get divorced easily. Like it was seen as like an act against God. So I feel like a lot of guys were like, this bitch is just a witch. And then they drowned her. And then he was like, look at that. No divorce. There would be guys that would literally, there would be guys that would literally just be like, I really don't like my wife anymore. She's a witch. Set that bitch on fire. Hella Crafts was her name. I'm sorry. Now, okay. So what did, 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 her husband explained at all why she was murdered for something. Um, it was a, it was a, it was, it was a divorce case and she was about to take him for half of, you know, his shit. And, you know, there was nothing really that he could do about it because they were married. So he went and devised this whole plan into, you know, he had to rent the wood chipper. Um, he took her out to this highway and he basically fed her body through the wood chipper. And then when the investigators came out, there was, you know, nothing left of her. So they, they were able to find like DNA evidence through, cause it's 1996 when this happened, they were able to find DNA through her, the remains of her teeth. Yeah, she's shredded everywhere. It's a lot of stuff. You just yeah, there's a lot of stuff going around. around. Like I'm sure, I'm sure the landscapers probably would have found it before the investigators did. But freaking Julio trying to trim the bushes. Like I think I found an eyeball. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and it's definitely out there. Um, and from there, it's just it kind of it it kind of went towards court TV, and then American <laughs> Justice, which is basically. Uh, uh, a bootleg court TV and then from there I was just like you know hooked well that's actually really interesting because I'm into psychology so I'm really fascinated with the way the human mind works um, it's where I, I think I find a lot of the times like where I watch true crime I get fascinated with the their kind of discovery on how they first of all did it um, when I was a kid I was watching in my government class, uh, we'd watch like the Pearl Harbor movie on Pearl Harbor. Well, I remember we watched a true crime. Um, we were actually on forensic files. It was a case in Ocean City, Maryland, where two tourist couple um, actually chopped up 
uh, bodies of these people that they met at a bar and dropped their body parts around town. And I was watching it. I was like, like, well, I was half in, half out. And I'm like 14 years old looking at the TV. I'm like, holy shit. That's that's our that's our local bar secrets. I'm like that's my my parents worked there, and then they started going into this file. Like, then they didn't know what was next. And next, you know, they're like showing like he started dispersing the bodies all around town. And I'm like, holy shit, this happened here. So I ended up like going on my skateboard one night to all the locations where they found the body parts. And I'm like, this happened here. This happened here. I'm like, shit. And this was only a couple of years ago. And I, I had, it was a giant case. I had no idea it was just in my town. Yeah. Like, uh, we don't have, like, I live in, um, Greenville, South Carolina. And here is, there's a lot of, a lot of cases in South Carolina. The, you got Susan Smith, you got the, the, the kid who shot that church in Charleston, you have, um, there's a, there's actually a recent case that got solved where a baby had left her or a woman had left her baby, you know, right down the street from my house. Um, I try and keep up with the bodies that just keep turning up. Cause like for whatever reason, there's just, there's, there's bodies that just turn up here and no one knows where they come from because Greenville has like a, sort of transient problem where people get bust here and then they don't know where to go from here mostly then, western uh places um east right coast, like midwest and stuff it's because um you get a lot of people that try and leave like east coast lifestyles they try to go to the west coast on like a musician a dream or some type of aspiration like i'm gonna hitchhike my way to california and become a rock star become a surfer and the next thing you know they don't make it there no, and never it's it that's a really scary thought because I mean imagine you're a kid with full ambition and dreams of trying to chase down your passion. You hear all these stories about people at hitchhike all the way through. You know I didn't know this at the time, but like my car broke down recently. I had to walk 15 miles to my house, and it's at two o'clock in the morning. I'm wearing shorts and a black jacket like I'm wearing now, and I'm sitting there hitchhiking basically nobody's fucking picking me up. I don't look like a serial killer. So I, I had that in my head. I was like, this is like a, not a good time to do this. A lot of people don't do this. I have before I picked up a kid. I picked up um, someone older than me. And just because I see them walking home, I'm like, you need a ride. And they're like, dude, it's one o'clock in the morning. Aren't you afraid I'm going to murder you? I'm like, there's no fucking way you're going to murder me before I murder you. And he's yeah. like, wait, what? I'm like, <laughs> serial killers being in the same car is ridiculous. There's no way. And, um, but I've always seen kind of like the bright aspect of people. Plus I'm really good at reading people and I'm on my way home and a cop stops. He goes, you know, hitchhiking is illegal, right? I'm like, Oh, is it cause like serial killers or something? He goes, yeah, it's, it's just more people are just going to pass you no matter your age, even if you're a little kid. I'm like, wow. And then he drove off and I was like, wait a minute, can you give me a fucking ride? And he's just going, I'm like, all right, well, I guess he's not allowed to do it either, but it does pop up a really good point like you know with psychology i started learning a lot about environmental influences um a lot of what a person can uh kind of dwell up through their lifetime and eventually find this spark of insanity to just be dehumanized or desensitized to the way other people feel you know where um you can get some people have their pain sensor switch. So actually, when they put their hand on a stove, instead of it being hot and hurting them, it actually feels good. And right. I think a lot with serial killers, like there's one called the shoe killer. I forgot the exact name of the person, but he used to like 
he was really addicted to women's shoes. Like I, I think he either Ooh, killed. Oh, I think I remember something something about that. Yeah, like, I don't remember women's shoes. Like he had like a hundred pairs of women's shoes in his house. Yeah, like. he would like kill women and take their shoes or something. And he his uh, documentary that was out, like it was his mom when he was a kid playing with women's shoes, yelling at him and beating him for doing so. And it built up probably this, you know, fetish or this thing where he was like, it's a secret thing I do. Oh, and it became this thing that he wanted to do where he started actually killing women for and getting their shoes and keeping them. You know, it's something you get when you're a kid, I feel like that hits you the wrong way or someone tells you not to do something even though you really like doing it where you start to get suppressed and you turn into a serial killer right and there i did a i did a the, it's called the mcdonald's triad i believe um where more more often than not serial killers develop the the these same three traits that you know aren't very sought after which are you know starting fires for one they're heavy arsonist type people they like to see destruction um another one is harming you know little animals um that's how that's how halloween starts the very first one where michael he's a little kid he's killing all the neighborhood pets and stuff right and then the 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 one that i'm more privy to where i feel like a lot of that trauma comes from is they receive a head injury at a very early age so that head injury may you know dis disassociate them from other people like it, it only takes so much to hurt a little kid yeah and you know especially when it's a head injury because their brain is still soft the well there's still- there's so much about the mind we don't understand actually roseanne barr um, used to be like a straight A student, used to be like quiet, never joking, never any of that stuff. And we know her now as this famous actress, comedian, you know, outlandish kind of person, funny vibe, everything. She was hit by a car at 16 years old and it changed her personality from there. So what with Sam Kinison, um, the comedian, he's very outlandish, always screams, alcoholic, kind of, he died a while back, but he was right. on stage yelling, we're going to drink, we're going to drive, we're going to do it all night. That all came after when he was a kid, his, his actual brother wrote a book on it called My Brother Sam, and he was hit by a car. And then his whole personality like that just switched. Like, it's crazy to see, you know, because you look at murder, you look at all these things, and they are only okay under certain circumstances. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to say it's ever okay, but like if you're fighting under the flag, if you're fighting for your country, if you're fighting for rights, it's okay. That's still murder though. Yeah, it's um, still murder. There's also just crimes, um, which is like there was a case where a uh, football coach um, raped and actually like, I, I can't remember if he killed or just severely molested this dude's kid and he was getting away with it. And the dad, while the cops were handcuffing this guy in the airport, walking him out, the dad went up in point blank. It's all on footage. You can look it up and shot this dude square in the face. Jeez. And, and you would see that and be like, that guy deserves it because of what he did and he was getting off for it. Like, he was laughing, like, I'm going to get off for this. Oh, yeah. I, I've seen multiple documentaries, and I feel like I'd, I'd be one in the same where if something happened, you know, close to my family, 
I'm, I, I would be the next episode on somebody's podcast or the next episode on, on Forensic Files where I literally put together, you know, some sort of plan to just go and do bodily harm to someone who's done bodily harm to mine. And I, I hate the way that sounds, but I don't think I'm the only one who feels that way. It's a primal thing in us all, I think, um, a protective aspect in our human genetics. Like, I mean, when you were, you know, not you specifically, but when we were right. as people back in the day, like protecting our own, when anything would threaten your own family, your own blood, I'm pretty sure anybody even now, we still have that. If anybody comes to your house with a gun trying to kill your whole family, you're damn right putting up arms to protect them, you know, depending right. on if you got into an argument before, like, hey. You know, that last fucking bite of uh, frosted mini wheat you didn't let me get. Well, this guy's coming in here and he's going to kill you. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> letting you know. Sorry. That's what happens. But I mean, where did your, besides like your first time kind of seeing this first serial killer, like your fascination with it, does it m more link onto the solve of the case or the whole clues leading up to it? And I, I've, I've had my, um, my wife ask me the same question. Like I, I watch these, these types of cases in the middle of the night, like when we're trying to go to sleep, shit like that. And she's like, I can't go to sleep listening to this. You know, it's all about death and murder and people getting killed. I'm like, no, you're missing the whole point. Because like, yeah, the first 15, 20 minutes of your documentaries, yeah, they're going to give you the, the nitty gritty. But like, I'm trying to figure out how the case was solved, what he left behind, who, who, who the investigators were and what and in what time period was this case solved? Because like before 19, like 90, I just wrote in an episode, like DNA was not a big deal for a long time. Like DNA is very recent. So like any crime between like 1995 and backwards, they just had to do investigative work. They like actually they had, had to sit there and look and like they had to do their job because they didn't have anything. They didn't have anything scientific. So like Sherlock Holmes stuff, like actually yeah. you know, moving shit around. Now someone just comes on the uh, scene, swabs something. And the next thing you know, they run it through a computer and they can get you way back to your grandparents. Like we know who your grandparents are. Pretty much. I mean, I imagine in 1980, if you kill somebody, they just left a bucket of semen somewhere. And yeah. they were like, what are we supposed to do with all this semen? Like, Thank you. Thank you. Somebody notices every fucking criminal minds, whatever show they, all they do is they find semen. I'm like, are they just looking for it at that point? They just come in with a black light. Hold on guys. I got this. All right. You guys are, you guys are thinking this the wrong way. Let me just come in here. What, look at all of this. It's like, did he come before he killed the person or did this just, he just doesn't wash his hands ever. Like there's just semen everywhere and there's nothing that they can do with it. You know Imagine I mean? trying to find a serial killer in a strip club. Oh, That's God. why they don't care about strippers, cops. They're like, screw it. They don't care about them that much. They're like, oh, it's just another dead one. Because you know how hard it must be to try and find like the actual correspondent for the serial killer semen on their body. Hard, hard, hard. Difficult. <laughs> Way more so, than like, getting paid. The 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 story, the the way the the narrator constructs it because I mean he he he's getting paid, but he didn't write that story. Someone else wrote it, and I pay attention to who wrote the stories. I pay attention to how 
it was, you know, laid out. I, I, it's almost the same thing as what, what does my wife like to watch? She likes to watch the fantastical shows, the shows that have absolutely no possibility of being possible. I get it. There's, there's, a, there's a following for it. People watch it. I get it. But I want to actually watch what did happen. Uh, and in a lot of those fantastical shows, people get killed off. Game of Thrones. How many people get killed off in that show? I have never seen an episode. I've thank never God. seen one episode. All right, good. Uh, High five I, through the screen. Uh, I will tell you that every single, <laughs> every single person in the show gets killed off. But there's no fact to it. These people aren't real. They don't exist. So, like, I want to know something about what actually did happen. Okay. Hold on. I'm going to throw a scenario your way, all right? All right. Okay. So, buckle in here. Purge. Good idea, bad idea? It's a great idea. Okay. Now, is that because it would probably reduce actually a lot of the bad shit like the movie actually says it does? Or do you think it would just become a, a bigger problem where people would want to be doing it more than one day a year? I already feel like people do it more than one day a year. The purge to you, it, it to, to some people could be every day. Yeah. Like every day when, if you don't, if you're not that hundred thousand dollar, Mercedes Benz driving two story home, suburban life, father, mother, whatever. Every day you might wake up and it's the purge. You got to go out and you got to figure out how you're going to feed your family today. Now, hold on. Now you do research a lot of the stuff, true crime stuff. So do you actually have a planned out way that you would kill somebody or a better way to do it than a lot? Cause you have to have that thought. I'll watch a true crime documentary and I'll see, I'll be watching. I'll be like, he shouldn't have done that. He should have did it this way. And I'm like, wait a minute, is that battle me for the thinking that? But I feel like, no, every person thinks that at one point you look at somebody annoying or someone that really pisses you off in life. And you can just be like, you know, I could just snap your neck like that, but it goes away. You just don't hold on to it. I um don't give me that awkward silence. You're making no, me feel no, so wife, bad right now. I was convinced that I'm trying to kill her some type of way, but <laughs> I, I, I'm I, I keep trying to tell her I'm not because there's no way I'm I'm going to leave something. Blood is very messy. It is it like my dog cut her tail not two weeks ago, and I just noticed the way she was wagging it, how it left blood spat blood splatter on the walls, and I'm like, dude. There's no cleaning all of this up. There, there's no possible way you could get away with murder because you don't know which way. Like if if you if you were to use a blunt object, there's no way to clean up all of the blood spot, uh, all of the blood splatter. Like they have someone getting paid at least fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year just to do the research on blood splatter analysis. Yeah, it's like Mythbusters. They get the exact weapon and they get a whole load of weapons and they beat this mesh body in different angles to see they how you could recreate what it. what you used to beat this body. And I'm like, you know, you weren't even there, bro. You used <laughs> a fucking flip-flop. How did you kill somebody with a flip-flop? You're just like, <laughs> it took a while. You wouldn't it stop was moving. It a flip-flop. It was one of them hard toes. Now, <laughs> what, okay, what weapon would you use if you were going to kill someone? Because I see that, like, 
where you see a lot of serial killers being male dominant, I see a lot of the female ones are long crafted out ones. Like they've oh, sat yeah. on it long and hard about it. They've sitting there like it, it, they plan it out for months. Like a guy just kind of does it. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's just like, screw it. And like someone brought up a really good point that the easiest way to kill somebody feels like just dropping their body off in the ocean. You know, like tied to something because like, you know how hard it is for us to locate anything in the ocean. Like you you ever drop something in the ocean and then try and find it later. It doesn't, it doesn't happen. Mm. Luckily I was able to find my car keys. I went to the beach last year, lost my keys in the ocean and then they washed back up. But back to your point, if I had to choose a weapon, hmm, it would, like naturally, I would I I'd probably go with the pop of the crowd and say an ice pick because it melts. <laughs> Hang on, I was drinking a drink when you said. <laughs> I love how you were like, I'm gonna go with the natural crowd and say ice pick. I would have never thought in a million years to use an ice pick, but now I can see why because them things are sharp. Yeah, like um, I grew up in New Jersey, an ice pick like they used to have advisories for people you know, in places where icicles would grow like stupid long and they would fall. Oh, wait, that's different from an ice pick though, isn't it? it, uh, An ice pick is an ice pick and an icicle are just about the same consistency. Like an ice pick is- Oh shit, I know what you're saying now. Like you could stab somebody in the head with an ice pick and then have, it could look like an icicle fell on their head. Exactly. Oh my God! How confusing must that be? Isn't there one that is the ice pick killer? I think I so. Like- I it, oh God! What was his name? I should have I should have did some more homework. I'm sorry. It. We're not meant to think in this podcast. We were okay. just well, talk. <laughs> like it, there was a guy that that tried it, and he got away with like I want to say thirty plus mm. before he was called. Man, I think he just confessed. How easy would it be to be an ice cream man and be a serial killer? Hmm. People are just coming to you. Yeah. Oh, shit. Wait a minute. You could poison the ice cream. Oh, shit. <laughs> Yo, you think you're getting like a like a, one of them SpongeBob popsicles where like the gumball eyes and it's all like fucked up. Doesn't look anything like SpongeBob. It's all antifreeze. Oh, dude. I don't want to. Oh, we can't say that because people are going to listen and be like, that's a great idea. (laughs) It was actually like, you know, the Halloween, like, you know, poisoning candy was a myth, but then it became real this year because all the edibles that are out there, there's just a bunch of kids coming home stoned off their ass. Right. Like that was a myth that our parents told us just to get candy out of our bags. Only one reported case of it ever. And I'm like, it became real because a bunch of people started eating edibles. My mom was the first one to tell me. She was like, hey, I need to go through your candy bag. And this is when I was like eight or nine years old. She called, or she didn't call, God. She she told me, um, hey, I need to go through your candy to make sure that no one put anything in there that's not supposed to be in there. So naturally, we let her do it. And for some reason, our candy bags came out a little bit lighter than they were before. All so, the good shit gone. Reese's Pieces, Kit Kats, you know, these Kit Kats. All the good stuff is gone now. So I, I, I just happened to ask her, like, my daughter's 
five and you know she just went trick-or-treating this year and i was like so what what was the what was the hype about going through candy bags and you know people putting drugs in them and then my mom says oh oh baby it's way too expensive for drug dealers to put (laughs) drugs in your candy i don't know what they what anybody would be thinking to put drugs in candy because yeah the only reported cases of it were like kids trying their fun dip thinking it was fun dip but it was like their uncle's heroin that was like that was one reported case and then there was another one the most legitimate one which caused the big myth was a dude that poisoned his own kid and then decided to poison other kids in the neighborhood to make it look like a major like candy poisoning and he just wanted his kid's life insurance oh god that's what I'm saying. Serial killers, like there's another aspect of it right there. Freaking life insurance policies. You know, you take yeah. out like a million dollar thing and the next thing you know, you wait a couple weeks or something. Bam, she trips down the stairs. You don't know what happened. She's clumsy. <laughs> I um, I never really believed the hype about the whole Halloween candy thing. Um, I, you know, obviously I watched the news and they show pictures of people who have razor blades in their candy apples or some shit like that and i'm like well kids stupid kids did that on purpose too they would bite the apple and they would take a razor blade and run to their parents and they it's called victim syndrome which you see a lot with serial killers um a lot of people that like oh he did this too to me you know with oj there was i think a couple reported people that said that oj did was threatening them too even though they were like no there's he wasn't i mean i do want to ask your opinion Based on the OJ case, I don't know if you did you watch the actual trial and all that shit too. I watched the I watched uh, the People versus OJ, which was subpar accurate. <laughs> then from there, I went down the rabbit hole of watching the highlights of the trial. Um, I didn't watch the actual trial as it was going down because during that time there was so much going on inside of the community of true crime you had it was that 96 right yeah 96 you had john benet you had um you had people still talking about susan smith you still had people talking about um Dar- darla routier darlene routier something like that so oj was in my opinion like it wasn't so prevalent of a case because it didn't involve children like I was at the top. Like it didn't have anything to do with who I was when that happened. Like OJ was allegedly, you know, the murder of two adults. I'm looking at the murders of two children. I was a child at the time. So that was more relevant to me. Okay. Um, I I, I get, I mean, I, I don't, I didn't watch it at all, so I don't know the true facts behind the OJ case, but is it I'm pretty sure it's like a overwhelming kind of audience that says he did do it. Oh yeah. Um, but they're like he the glove didn't fit or something. But he I'm like medication when he tried that glove on. And it that medication made his hands swell. Just just putting that out there. I think what's really crazy is people are like, you know, he did it, he did all these things. I'm like, did he have kind of like a just crime in a way. I mean, uh, maybe it was an overreaction, obviously on his part, but people overreact all the time. I think that's all uh, happens a lot of times too. There's a new Netflix um, special with Paul Rudd in it where he has a twin 
it's basically cloned after him um right. so he can leave two separate lives and they're just fighting then eventually he gets out of like the thing they're hitting the shit out of each other and the dude puts a pillow over the other guy's mouth now that show that show when i first saw it on netflix i thought the first thing i thought of was us like okay. uh, i was like this is us but a sitcom pretty much yeah with paul rudd in it it is basically it's crazy because like if you had a clone of yourself you would want to go do all the things you haven't got especially like it shows paul rudd like you know he's in his 40s he's married he's just bored at work he feels like his life he didn't get to travel or do anything and like what could have been so then he gets a clone or something but they're fighting and he shoves a pillow over the dude's mouth and starts suffocating him and then gets out of the moment and he like he stops looks at the thing goes wake up and starts hitting him he goes oh shit and then totally regrets it i think that's what happens a lot of with people too like they get in the moment i mean how many times do you ever feel like you need to get out of your car because some dude cut you off in traffic and get out and start shouting at him and actually, mm. you know, you're face to face with somebody. I mean, it happens with conflict all the time. You know, we see horror movies nowadays. Um, they all back in the day seem to have a story to it, a built up serial killer or a built up folklore type thing. Now it's all on the basis of jump scares. But a lot of them is like either obviously it involves blood or murder, but it's crazy to see because a lot of like what we see with society now where people are like talking about, Oh, there's another shooting or something. We live in a world that is people suppressed and suppression never creates anything positive. No, it really doesn't. And where I feel like the, the media, what the media has done is they've literally shoved so much of this attention getting information like the 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 mass shootings the 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 husband did it the um the whole synopsis of just grief has been given so much that people are dull to the personal reaction because like okay let's say for instance your grandmother's murdered that's the worst thing that could ever happen to any family is the matriarch of your family is murdered. But, you know, five, five or how five or six houses down, they've watched several documentaries about how, you know, old people have just been dying. They don't care about your grandmother, but at your house, five houses up, it's the worst thing that could possibly happen. What happens to your family, too? It's a more personal experience. You know, you see a murder on the television. You go, okay, just another murder, you know. And I don't want to say it's becoming, like, a normal thing now. But it's like, you know, it's always well, it happened. a normal thing. People yeah. die all the time. It's happened throughout history. It's just now it has a bigger outlet with media sources being able to expose you with so much of the information now. Before, you didn't know too much about it. You had to look in your Right, own. right, right. Yeah. So I feel like you're, you're – your Netflixes and your Hulus, they're, they're pumping this information out and it's great. Don't get me wrong. It, it sends the message that we do, we do, we, we see and we hear your voices, regardless if you're here or not, you know, the family gets their, their 15 seconds and the, the show gets their, I don't know how many thousands of dollars that they make off of, you know, your, your family's grief. but in a way, as far as podcasting goes, it's an opportunity for me 
and my sister, who's also a co-host, to give our opinion on how it should be handled. And, and it's never the right, no one can tell you how you should react when someone passes away in your family or is murdered in your family. No one can tell you like, hey, you shouldn't behave like this or you shouldn't behave like that. I just feel like there's a personal responsibility that you have to have to not let those stories go so far. Do you, you know feel I mean? like you and your sister bring a different perspective in? Like she probably thinks a little bit differently than you, or do you find that you guys kind of think on the same basis or at least correlate with each other's ideas? Me and my, like she, she, like I was the one that got her basically watching true crime documentaries and stuff like that. And it started really early with me and her that um, she, she was, at, at the very early stages, she was more in line with the killer. Surprisingly, she was like, well, he had all the right in the world. Like she cheated on him. Why couldn't he kill her? And I'm like, it's illegal. Yeah. Hello. But well, there's a lot of dumb laws out there. Like I said before, it's where we talk about just crimes. I don't want to ever say murder is okay, but in certain scenarios, it does play a different role at least um i don't want to that's not a pro it's not me saying anything that murder should happen but no, no, no. yeah there are definitely some cases where you're like that guy fucking killed a bunch of kids and he's just going to jail like at that point if someone came up and killed the guy or something happened you know suicide whatever like some epstein situation hashtag conspiracy whatever it's it's crazy to think because the government kills people all the time. Now, a lot of people always blame the government for shit. It's people that run the government. But you have this title, this thing. You know, a lot of people bring up cop shootings, all these types of stuff. You got to see it from both sides of the perspective. Through my podcasting, I've been nothing but open-minded to everyone's beliefs and everyone's ideas because I believe we all have our own kind of walk that's got us to our process of thinking. So with cops... I've talked to both sides of the spectrum, people that have lost people and people that are still cops. And it comes from, there's like, same thing with getting a gun. There's a weight in a criminal record track just before you can get a gun. They can't have any, you know, preceding stuff leading up to it. You can't have any cases or anything that you've been involved with where it would stop you from getting a gun, but no one ever gives a mental health check. Right. That's probably one of the most dangerous things, but also in a courtroom scenario, most of the time, you know, when it's a murder case, they bring in a psychologist first. They have a person sit in there and talk to them, mostly because anytime you are legally considered insane, you have to be tested for that. Like if you plead insanity, they have mm -hmm. to talk to you and they have to sit there and see if you feel any remorse. Um, there's actually a guy, uh, this this one dude, uh, this comedian, Tom Segura, actually brought up this story on a podcast with Joe Rogan talking about how he had this friend that went to jail for like 20 something years and then got out because he actually was innocent. And he was telling them, I'm innocent. I did not kill my own mother. And um, they thought it was a money thing. And this guy literally this one cop full on went to get him arrested. Everything wanted that. See that guy locked up forever. Didn't give a shit what was true or not. 
And this dude's been locked away. So every time he would go on, like, you know, where you would see your uh, good behavior, your parole or whatever, you get rolled up for parole. They right. kept, he, he, the cop would come up and be like, no, he's still a bad guy, still a bad guy. He's like, I didn't do it. So they were like, he's obviously insane because he's not feeling remorse for killing his mother. But he was innocent. He didn't yeah. kill his mom. You're not going to feel remorse if you didn't do it. You know yeah. what I mean? So then his parole, every time he'd come up, the cop would be like, nope. Nope. He's a bad guy. Send him away. So he kept getting pushed down. Then one time he did it. He's like, I found new evidence. And the judge is like, what do you mean you found new evidence? He's like, I went back to the guy's house because he killed his mom over an insurance thing. I found the money that was stuck under the floorboards. So he did do it. And they're like, really? And he's like, yeah, the cop's like, yeah, he's been in there 15 years. Keep his ass locked up. So they went and talked to the people that bought the house after the guy was arrested and then sent to prison. And they're like, no cop came to our door and searched our house. No cop did any of that stuff. They found out the cop was lying and that guy's been falsely imprisoned for almost 20 something years. Dude, I, I, I really like, and that's something else that I have to keep in mind with a lot of the cases that we cover like uh, not not to say that i've covered tens or twenties of cases well, like we're only on episode six okay we're a very modest podcast right now but like I've, I've seen hundreds if not thousands of cases covered and i'm like what if he didn't do it though like that, that there's always that question of like did they want they 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 just needed a person to blame for this crime and you know being just a person not a black person not a, a any kind of discriminatory word but just being a person involved in a situation could i ever just be a suspect like let something happens with someone close to me would the authorities think that i did it because they needed a person that's a, that's what really sucks because, you know, you can get a giant – some person could just have a better lawyer than you. Next thing you know, you're doing prison for something you didn't do. Exactly. And, uh, you know, if you're like the common person that gets arrested for, you know, a case or something or a serious crime, you get what? A default lawyer? You get like the one the court appoints to you? Yeah, the court-appointed $50 lawyer? Yeah, who doesn't really give a shit what happens. He's getting paid whether you win or, like, lose. So you're not really getting anything – kind of for yourself and it's really hard for a judge to make an opinion especially when the other side's giving so much evidence on the why you did do it and he's just looking at you trying to make his best of judgment and it it really scares me a little bit because like you know jury duty now have you ever been called up for jury duty no okay there's a lot of people that have to do jury duty in a very serious crime case like weapons gang related stuff like murders and all yeah, this yeah, stuff. i know about jury duty i've just never been called for reasons well for jury duty that shit's open that shit people can just come up off the, the you know the street and be like i'm gonna view this case you know that whole thing they can just walk in and sit there and watch you oh yeah no we have that here like if you just felt like it you can go downtown right now and just hang out yeah and if you're part of the jury when they say your name or jury number one jury whatever they can look up in the newsletter article of the case and be like who the fuck's on the jury and your name is listed in there. You know what else is listed in there? All your personal records and shit. So they can find your address. They can find all that. You don't, 
look, right now I can look up Rashad Jones. If I had enough information of you, I could find where you live. If I go deep dive searching for it and I could find all your shit on public open access, there's on the criminal database. You can look up all, if you have any warrants for you, you can look up all that shit. You're telling me if you're dealing with a gang kind of related incident and you're on the jury for this guy that obviously killed three people and you're sitting there knowing he's guilty. He is guilty. He fucking even admits it. And you look in the crowd, see a couple of his gang members in there and you realize all your public shit is out there so they can come to your fucking house. Is that's that what, not what happened with the, um, El Chapo. Yeah. That's why nobody wanted to fucking say shit. They were like, he's innocent. Like, what are you talking about? He's, he's guilty. You know, he's guilty. Just say, you told me in the back room, he was guilty. He's like, bro, I don't know what you're talking about. Did I say it right? Number four. Yo, you with the scary arm tattoo. Did I say it exactly like you told me to say it, that he's not in it, that he's not guilty. Not guilty. Yeah. He's definitely not guilty. You know, it's, that's fucking insane how that they would even let that happen and give your information out. They should have like a black screen in front of your face. Yeah. Like the the public record thing is scary. Like, I'll be honest. Um I I, I know people who have the cleanest rap sheet. I know people who have the dirtiest rap sheet. And like for whatever reason, it feels like sometimes, sometimes. It doesn't matter. And then sometimes it's the absolute worst thing that could ever happen to you, especially people who have rap sheets going back as far as the 80s. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't mean they can't change either. I think, you know, this is a good thing I just thought of was if you examine people on their criminal records and not seeing the change that might have happened or might have occurred while they've done serve time or something. Um, there's also a thing you can do. Like imagine if you started looking at everyday folks and just decided to put in their search history. Like, let me look at all your fucking search history. Just like I would look at all the criminal records of somebody and see if you're a bad person. Guarantee if you look up my search history, you're going to think so many fucking things. Like why is he on Amazon at two o'clock in the morning ordering a bidet for his toilet? I'm like, cause I fucking need it. It's not going to show me in the best aspect. So I'm like, if you just pulled up your search history. Oh, it'd be filthy. Then everybody would be going to jail because your search history is never clean. There's there's no person that ever logs into their computer. I mean, even with incognito mode, you're still searching up something evil. You know, it's like Bill Burr has a joke. Like, imagine watching porn is like your full 3D projection and little pixels float off every time you watch porn to where you're older and it's just you're a couple couple little orbs left oh no yeah exactly it's like oh no there's there's all these things that chalk up into what we as a society create as a good person i'm like when you watch these true documentaries and all these crime stuff you try and narrow it down for many aspects i mean explain to me a little bit like one of your most I guess, common things you look at when you're dealing with a crime case or you're dealing with something for your podcast episode? What I look for as far as like um, a crime of interest, uh, right now we're in on our first season, we're going to do just cases that have just, uh, I've gotten so involved with this case. I've done the research without having a podcast. Like I've just done active research towards it. 
So oh. stuff more people have information on, like a common, like OJ case would be pretty common. Like if you put an episode out on OJ, a lot of people are like, holy shit, like I've read into this case. I actually watched some of the stuff. I want to listen to this. Right. I would, oh God, if, if we're going to get OJ, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to dive in to what would make OJ want to kill his wife. Dude, just like, ask him on Twitter. He is, active, <laughs> he is active as hell on Instagram, active as hell on social media. He does a sports thing now. He's always talking about the sports game, like, oh, missed that tackle. If he would have went left, I'm like, fucking A, man. Like, you could easily just – But the thing, the thing about OJ is he is so media trained, though. Like, he's been in the media since college. Psychedelics. Oh, God. Give him psychedelics. You will know everything you will ever want to know about OJ. Oh, yeah. I I if I had a question for OJ, I wouldn't ask him if he murdered those people, to be honest with you. I'd ask how it was making the Naked Gun movies because I had no idea. Those are the funniest movies ever. Uh, nobody's seen them either. Every time I bring up Naked Gun, everyone's like, what's that? I'm like, you don't know who Officer Frank Drebin is? Leslie Nielsen? OJ? Like... This is scary movie before scary movie was a thing. Yes, it is. There's like, a scene where like we need to have protected sex. Did you bring a condom? Oh yes, I did. They're wearing full body condom suits, for <laughs> just fl fish flopping on top of each other. Like that is the best crime show. If I think Thirty Three and a Half is my favorite movie as far as like spoof movies go. God, dude, that dude Leslie Nielsen, man, has it. Oh, he's he's a he's a legend. As far as it's like if true if true crime had a comedy, he goes at the top. If they had any actual true crime documentaries and just brought Leslie Nielsen in there, that would, you'd watch the whole damn thing. I would watch every single episode religiously. If they made me pay for it, put it on Disney Plus. I'm paying for it now. Screw if Disney Plus was gonna kill people, how would they do it? With Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, with Leslie Nielsen. It's like the Morgan Freeman, basically. That's what Leslie Nielsen is. I feel like where there was a fall was when they put Danny Glover as a narrator on Cold Crime Case. Or, yeah, Cold Crime? Is it? Yeah. Cold Cases, I think that's what it is. Why? How many, cold, how many true crime shows are there out there? There's a lot. There's too many. I, I always... But, See, when I, when I think of true crime, I always think of the guy that comes up with sunglasses at night and then sees like a jogger dead in the woods and just bends down. And Dude, joggers are the most popular people to find dead bodies. Like, if you ever want to find a dead body, pick up a jogging habit. Yeah, like, it's really crazy. Like, why are you jogging at 12 at night? But then I can't argue with that because I'll work out at 2 o'clock in the morning sometimes, so I get it. I go to work at 3 o'clock in the morning and I see people running. And I'm like, where are y'all running from? But they're just running for fun. Like There is a scare, though, because I remember, uh, you know, I used to come home from the gym at like three o'clock in the morning. So like you getting pulled over by cops going like, where are you coming from? Usually it's either you're meeting drunk people that are just driving on the road like I can drive. I'm good. I'm good. Well, there was this kid like that I saw and he's wearing all black clothing and I barely missed him. I mean, barely. I was like, holy shit, because he was around a corner wearing nothing on his bike just all black. I'm like, holy shit. I just missed him. I was like, damn, that kid could have got killed. I go home next day. I wake up, um, you know, regular day, everything started. I swear to God, dude, it wasn't only a couple days later and 
fucking he's in the article in our new, our newspaper he got hit by a car and it Obviously. was like they found the body at 503 in the morning i got home at like three in the morning so i probably saw him at like 230 something Jeez. like I, i'm being dead serious like i was like damn i knew, like i told my mom i was like that kid that could have been me that hit that kid and she was like what and i was like he was wearing all black like i actually rolled down my window and was like hey man like you're wearing all black i can't see you and he just kept on going, didn't even stop, didn't do anything, didn't even recognize me saying anything, probably had headphones in. I'm like, you know how fucking dangerous that shit is? I started thinking about that when I was taking that 15-mile fucking jog slash slow walk all the way back to my house, man. Yeah, I said jog slash slow walk. I would jog. <laughs> and then like after like five minutes of jogging, I'd be like, holy shit. And then I'd just start actually slow-mo walking, seeing if I tried to like funny hitchhike, if someone would actually pick it up. No, I, I, I looked more insane probably than an actual like normal hitchhiker. So it was a bad idea. No, I, t I totally get it because I told my mother-in-law the same thing about this deer she hit the other day. Uh, she, she hit a deer and I, and it was the same day I saw the same deer on the same road that she hit. And I was like, was it at this, this intersection where like there's a population of deer that just hang out there? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, we well, should have slowed down. Like, it's, it's yeah, it's weird because a buddy of mine brought it up. He's like, dude, he goes, you basically murdered that guy. I was like, what do you mean I murdered somebody? He was like, no, 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 no. You could have easily called the cops or did something to avoid that kid's death, but you never did anything. And I was like, I didn't hit him with my car. Someone else did. He goes, yeah, that's but you didn't. Victim blaming. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, but you see a lot of those in court cases. People will do shit like that. You do, and um, there's a, a a case that I'm looking into right now where they're trying to convict, basically, a woman or man. She, I don't, she hasn't gentrifically identified herself as a man or a woman, but they're basically trying to blame this person of a crime that she's trying to plead defense for or like she's trying to plead not guilty because she was trying to defend herself the same thing with a car with a person like if a person jumps in front of your car and you hit them is that your fault so they just there's a thing on recently on social media it was a bus driver throwing a child off a school bus like a little toddler oh i i, I saw something about that and a bunch of people were freaking out, like about to beat up the bus driver. Like, you can't just throw a kid like that. And the bus driver just gets on the bus and starts going away. And all these people are picking up this kid. It's a midget. It's a small person dressed up as a child that was riding a kid's school bus. Oh, God. And everyone immediately dropped him and started backing away. Like, you're not a fucking kid. And you saw all these people with like, regret and shame on their face for yelling at this bus driver who was doing the right thing. And Have I'm you heard like, about that case where this midget was like trying to pretend to be like an, uh, like an adoption child what? and in reality, she's like a 36 year old woman. Oh, okay. You got to explain that one a little bit to me. Okay. So like I've, this is, this is a Facebook post that someone had shared to me and I was like, are you, are you kidding me? But like, there's this midget. She's like from like Eastern Europe somewhere or whatever. And she allegedly was adopted as like a five or six year old child. And then 
come to find out, like, she's not five or six. She's 36. And she's been, like, hustling this family for money. And, like, the family just took her somewhere and just dropped her ass off and left. Holy shit. It's not a true crime case. It's definitely a, a case that, like, I'll, I'll probably just, like, talk about one day. But, like, that, like I think uh, Dr. Phil talked to her. You know how Dr. Phil likes to jump in whenever. And uh, You got to do your Dr. Phil impression. You can't just leave me hanging on Dr. Phil. Now, <laughs> now you know what you now, did there. You look 36. But really, you might be a redneck. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, this, this woman or girl, I'm not sure, because I don't, I don't know how I feel about the looking at her. She looks 36 as a midget. I don't know what midgets look like. I've only seen like two midgets in my life. So like, how can I judge this one midget? Or I don't like, I don't know what they like to be called. Small person, small people, small people. Okay. I don't know how to judge this small part, this, these small people based on the two small people I've ever seen in my life. So when the situation calls for, was it right to leave her somewhere? No, that's not right. I think when you have to deal with human abnormalities, whether it comes to the brain or whether it comes to body size, whether it comes to gender, when it comes to anything, this makes it extremely difficult just having a judge's position on anything. Like you want to talk about getting all the facts behind a case. These people deal with so many cases per year that they really can't give a very clear and clinical answer. I always brought up the opinion that maybe judges should only have to do about 10 or 12 cases per year. You know, just do a full on a couple months of actual hardcore research onto both perspectives of the side. Because a lot of time they're just getting fed information. And if one dude comes across as like, we all know people that are good communicators, good smooth talkers, and people that aren't very good at expressing themselves or people that aren't good at talking in general. You know, you got an Elon Musk who's not very good at expressing his thoughts, just kind of seems a little bit awkward or something. And then you're dealing with some dude that's like a car salesman. Like, let me tell you something. I could sell this knife and you would kill your mom with it. Like, I would buy that knife. That is a nice knife. You know, like it's it comes onto that perspective. Like they can get swayed in so many ways. You got to bring that up in your podcast. I feel like that is a major kind of overlook that a lot of people don't understand. Like, you're right. I, mean, I, I definitely will consider that. I, I mean, when you I never thought about that, when you break down each kind of topic or serial killer thing that you guys do, you like you talk about, you like kind of looking at the whole leading up and how it was uncovered kind of deal. You like right. that whole part, but most people is true. They are just in tune with the serial killer side. Like how did the person get murdered? But you're more like, how did that, all that evidence get founded out? That's where you start to see some shit. That's where you start to see like, now, did he actually find something or did he make a justification or a claim that he found something based on probably nobody was really going to look into it? If you look up the statistical facts of arson fires, they narrow that shit down to a fucking match. They're like, it was this match. Right, How do right. you know it was that match? We just know. <laughs> nobody says anything else. They just go, okay, I'm going to trust the fireman. It was that much. It came from the quick stop up the street. Yeah, we got it. He's got the freaking strip club matchbook right there. It came from this one. He definitely wasn't smoking a cigarette or something with a match. 
And like uh, with a lot of cases that I cover or a lot of cases that I have covered so far, it's like the the prosecution presents this evidence. They're like, okay, so for example, with um, my my most recent case, the Lacey Peterson case with, you know, Scott and Lacey Peterson, they're like, well, he's got these anchors. You know, he's got dried spots with anchors that he made and the anchors aren't here. Where are they? Um, he's got her hair and a, a, not her hair, but a hair that is consistent with Lacey's hair in a, in a set of pliers in the warehouse. And five anchors are missing and the babe and she's missing and she's pregnant. That goes so much into what I said before, where the people as a whole, as, as you know, because Scott Peterson was the most hated person ever as far as the media is concerned. Like, I don't think, I don't think OJ topped Scott Peterson. In, I have like, no idea who Scott Peterson is. Okay, well. Sounds like a golfer. Oh, he was a golfer. Are you he was, serious? Yes, he was. He, he, he was a fucking golfer. Um, but he was a really good golfer too. But um, did he just did he just miss a putt and fucking ended up wanting to kill somebody? I now wait. I just rationalized him because I played freaking you know putt putt and I missed a putt and I have Happy Gilmore to, where I've chucked a golf club across the whole entire thing. <laughs> You get a free game, and I missed it because it bounced in, and I'm pretty sure it was specifically meant to bounce out when it goes oh, yeah. in. They, they rig those things. Yeah, that's. I don't yeah, like. Totally I, don't, rigged. I don't like living in a system that's rigged. That's why I don't function in society. So, I, like, going as a as a segue into your rig thing, the 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 system itself, it just might be rigged. To be honest with you, because. It, it it's a, it's according to what the media wants and the media wants someone to blame yeah. for these things. I'm not going to, I, I can't sit here and say Scott Peterson is guilty. Scott Peterson is definitely a terrible fucking person. Well, he's guilty in the eyes of um, the uh, open public, I would say. Exactly. He, he was, um, he was found guilty of a uh, capital, not capital murder. Was it capital murder? It it might have been capital murder, and uh, under special circumstances because of the fact that his wife was pregnant, and that baby died too. But okay, so he killed his wife with a baby inside. So basically, yes. did life and or he killed a life and a half. Oh, he he's on he's on death row right now. Yeah. Um. But that what can I say that he'll ever see the chair? No, he probably won't. Would I? He, he or a lethal injection? No, he probably won't. More than likely not, because there was there was no murder weapon. There was no forensic evidence. There was no. Um, if if there was anything, there was probable cause. He had everything to do with probably killing his wife. And that's all they got him on. But he was a terrible person, and that's why I hate him. But let's let's skip that. If 
if it comes to a point where, like I said before, if I'm in a case where I'm going to be tried, knowing damn well I had nothing to do with the murder of anyone in my family or, you know, my extended family, and I'm the number one suspect, God, it just, it, it bothers me how the system's so corrupt. Well, the, like you said, the system's set up to where we need somebody to blame. That's right. tr- true. It's set up in many ways. It's set up to basically pump out people that are gym that work a nine to five life. Okay. For you doing your job, you can't get up at 9am to start your shit. You got to get up at 3am because you got to stock these drinks before someone gets in there. I know that whole route. I trust me. I did research on it thinking I wanted to do that at a point. Still might want to. Um, but when it comes to the corporate system, the government, all these things, they look for someone to blame because there can't just be nobody to blame. There just can't be nobody that gets off over something as serious as a murder. Someone's got to get locked away. It doesn't matter if it was little Susie across the street just riding her bike or little Jimmy playing with a butterfly net. You know, there always has to be somebody that has to get paid because when someone loses a loved one, you're looking for someone to blame. Yeah, someone's getting locked up or someone's getting the electric chair. You know, that's why, you know, that movie Green Mile, although around the time period that takes place, seeing live action, like death row shit, people watching someone die, you are there like this motherfucker's going to burn for, (laughs) you know, for what he did to my family. And then you watch it happen. You watch a life literally get lost in front of you. And afterwards, you don't feel as hyped as you did before. You're like, holy shit. Like what? What made me feel different about it was actually a um, a Black Mirror episode. Um, I don't know if you watch Black Mirror. Fuck every th- I gotta watch it because every time I do a podcast, everyone's like, "You you watch Black Mirror?" I'm like, "No." What are you talking about? Like exactly what you said was like Black Mirror. I was like, "Well, I guess I gotta take a look into some dude that's writing stories about everything I'm thinking of." Well, I mean, it's a very good, like it's a very good show. Like I, I didn't, I didn't like it either. My wife put me onto it, and I was like, "This is stupid." But like, after watching, I forgot what episode it was. It was probably the episode the. It was like the Facebook episode where the girl had to get a certain amount of likes or something to get to a a, a wedding or something like that. I, I can't remember what it's specifically about, but there was an episode where. Oh God. Okay, so this this girl like this guy kept this girl's father's spirit in a cage and she basically or he basically uh electrocuted him for sale. Like, you know, if you wanted to come and electrocute him, you could and he couldn't die, basically. But he was innocent of the crime that he committed. So for, you know, however many years he was punished over and over again for a crime he didn't commit. It sounds it the the fucking genius behind like that episode. Groundhog Day with a ghost. Basically. Holy pretty shit. much. Imagine that. Imagine you could be is that does that make Ghostbusters murderers if they're killing ghosts? Or capturing them, or technically like, like owning something. Okay, so is that hell? Wouldn't that be hell? 
isn't purgatory basically like hell? There's no heaven or hell. It's just like you're left in emptiness. It's the matrix. We're all, the matrix. we're all in the matrix. At one point, I'm pretty sure we're going to wake up. Everything, yeah. there's like random glitches in the world. You'll be walking and then you'll see some, you get deja vu. I was like, is that just the system messing up? Like our brains are like fucking. Oh, dude, I go through it all the time. I go through it so much. Well, when you're, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're living in the matrix. When you're watching documentaries of murder at one o'clock in the morning, this shit pops into your head, people. I don't know what else to tell you. Me and him understand it. You guys don't. We're sorry. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're living in the matrix. Now, okay, so this brings up, you ever heard of the color Vanta Black? Vanta Black. Well, MIT literally made this color that all these people, you know, when you see a cartoon, you see the black hole in the wall and some dude jumps through the black hole. Yeah. Okay. They made a color that is literally like that. It shows. Yeah, I've seen that. Okay. Well, a dude did experiment. I saw his video on Facebook. He painted a golf ball Vanta black. It's a color you can buy. It's a like, you can't tell the dimensions of if it's a ball, it looks flat. Your eyes can't distinct it. It's like, this looks flat, but it's actually round. And the dude goes and curves it. Usually you can tell the dude's hands still behind there because shadows. This color is so black, like a black hole, that you can't see the shadow, so it looks flat. So when his hand goes behind it, you don't see the shadow. You just see a black hole. Right. So like his hand's missing. So some dude decided to spray his car Vanta black, and they won't let him drive it because you cannot see that shit at night. Oh my God, I have to find that. He has headlights, everything that would distinct him, but his car looks like there's just floating balls of light in the air. So now it's like this whole prank with like UFOs and shit people are going to probably start doing. Oh my God. But imagine that though, like if you took something and painted it Vanna Black and used that in a murder case, like imagine painting like your murder weapon Vanna Black. Imagine the future, like because. Killers evolve, obviously. Like we if we learn anything from the 70s and 80s where you could just kill anybody you wanted to, dump them on the side of the road. You can't find me. So I didn't kill her. Or him, which whichever, because Eileen Warnos was doing her thing in Florida. But um the future of true crime is going to be a very, very futuristic type place. I mean, not let alone, let's say... You ever seen that movie where they were, had a robot or they had a dude floating in a tub and he was predicting the future murders of shit so they were arresting people before they could commit the crime? That was a minority report. Yeah, they had a Futurama episode on it too. Um, do you think that's going to be possible? Like, you see... Crimes advancing with technology. Like, what, do those, what do you call those? They had those in the 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 Greek era where they had like virgins sitting in a room filled with like sage and fucking incense burning and shit like that. Like where they just go to them and be like, "Hey, what should we do next?" And they're like, "I don't know. Go over to goddamn India and try and talk to somebody." What were they called? Yeah, incense, calm and serene, more like death and ass cream. I'm telling you, man. They do never <laughs> smell good. They smell burnt. They smell terrible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. But if you were going to murder, that's how I would do it. You talked about how you would murder somebody with an ice pick. 
I would do it with a fucking scented candle. Slowly releasing a toxin. You could do it. I, I'd be I a good one. You could do it. But I feel like that'd be so much to do all that. Like kill somebody with strawberry fruit. If you were a if you were a botanist, you would know what plants to burn. Dude, I could just bottle up my fucking shit fume and toss it someone's way. It's like a mustard gas. <laughs> I have so many people I've had to wake me up at two o'clock in the morning, like that I live with, that are like, get the fuck out. Get out. I'm like, what? They're like, you farted, I can fucking smell it. I'm like, really? They're like, it's eggs, man. What are you eating? I'm like, I I don't know what I find on the street. You drop a burrito or something. I see it on the street. I'm picking that sucker up and walking. They're, 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 it, it, it was a thing in the Matrix. Fuck. What, what was, what was the girl in the Matrix where she was like the one that knew it all? The Oracle? Oracle. Oracles. That That's, one slipped your head? Yeah, it did. Well, it's like um, in the 300 movie, they climbed those rocks back in the day. They would go and talk to oracles to get the justification or to get the vision of the war that's coming ahead of them, see if they would win the battle, see what exactly. happened. So if, ah, oh God, it, it, like, could, could you see society were winding backwards to that? Oh, yeah, we are technically. If we're going to look at one person to predict these crimes or look at a supercomputer, it's not the same kind of distinction of back in the day when we were asking oracles what the future would be. Exactly. I think it's the uh, people's ability to want to predict an inevitable outcome. Like, have you ever called messing with fate? Like, if you went back in time to save all the people that were on the Titanic, what alternate timeline would be, we'd be living? Would be be living a life worse? And like, there was an episode of this show, Supernatural, where this person went back and saved all the people that were on the Titanic and then fate found them at the regular timeline where they went like where they jumped back in time and just started killing all these people that were not meant to be born were not meant that were just that their family ancestors whatever should have died on the Titanic it's like there is a like if we if JFK wasn't assassinated what timeline would we be living in what world will we be living in now? Do you believe that every action, everything that's happened leading up to this, that we're in this living moment, you think could be affected if one of those things were taken out? I feel you on that. And I will contest that same thought with Auschwitz and the whole Holocaust. Had not those, what, I think 8 million people? I want to say 6 million. Six million? Yeah. Six million people had not been murdered? Probably six million is some change. Like, you can't just be like, he killed six million people. How do you know? I'm going to fucking round it up. No, just... <laughs> like, add another two million on top of that. No. Like, I don't want to do that. Let's, can let's can you round down when people die? Can you be like, I he killed six million while we'll round it down to six million. But hold on, what about that one guy? Like, nah, don't... <laughs> what about that one guy? Six million and one does not make sense. It's like, but you can't round down with human life. I thought it was eight. I'm sorry. Like it might have been six. Let's let's call it seven. All right. Let's let's call it seven. Let's say those seven million people didn't die. How would society have changed? Dude, I know for a fact he killed six million Jews. I know six, but I said eight. All right. Well, price is right. It. I got you. <laughs> You're gonna one dollar me on <laughs> life of the Jewish people. All right. We'll roll with it. All right. I love seven. Jewish people. I'm Jewish. Hey, I love you. Love you too.
I love it. <laughs> I love it how we talked about prices right in the beginning. It somehow unfolds. But Drew Carey, serial killer. Prices right. It. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Hashtag Drew Carey. Price was right. Now he's a great well, guy. Like, no, seriously. Like I, I thought about that. Like I watched for whatever reason. I found myself watching fucking and Frank Diaries, and they were talking about how many Jewish people had died in the concentration camps. And I was like, dude, like that is fucking tremendous. Like. I could, I could go a million years without knowing that many people died ever. Like, if if you wanted a true crime documentary, you could literally just make it about fucking the Holocaust and nothing else. You could if, every you, single person ever. And. People talk about the Nazis being the worst uh, experimenters and torturers of human life, basically, with what they did. Um, there was actually a company, or not a company, a little uh, cult kind of variation to it. Um, Unit 731 is actually 10 times worse than the Nazis. It was in Japan. They actually had a secret mission that would have, we'd all be living in Japan right now. Um, they had a planned attack before. Uh, the actions of Hiroshima where we bombed in one World War Two. Right. They had a planned attack to hit the coast of San Diego with a submarine lined up with these missiles that were filled with 150 million ticks and fleas that were filled with the bubonic plague that would have literally hit. And you know how hard it is to kill a fucking flea? Look this shit up. It's called Operations Cherry Blossom at Night, led by Hiroishi Uno, who led Unit 731. Unit 731 is this freaking Japanese, they called them the Biomedical Tissue Services of Japan. They used to pick people up in black vans around all these distinctive places in Japan. Dude, I'll send you the article when we get done. Trust me. I'll, I'll, okay. But um, I did a podcast on this. These people... In their articles, they talk about people as logs, and they called their torture camps logging camps. So people would be logs. So when it talks about 7,000 logs were cut, seven, whatever, 100,000, they killed less people than Hitler maybe, but they did some really sick shit. They used to do vivisections. I don't know if you know what that is. No. It's where you cut, you cut someone from the bottom part the lower part, like where your body would glances off into two legs that right where like your groin tank. is. Yeah. And they cut up and no. they would do that to people while they were alive. And they would sit there and with a stopwatch and time it and see how long it took for you to bleed out. They yeah, would, this is, this is why, like, I don't, I can't, I can't imagine like I see. Okay. <laughs> the pilgrims. Ah, God damn. Okay. So, Society as a whole, I feel like, is not great because of the fact that we have so much history that revolves around people just trying shit. But, like, you don't get the information without trying shit. But the shit that they tried was awful. It was awful. I, I See, the problem is, when I was doing research on Unit 731... 
it was crazy to read all these things. Like they would take, you ever seen the movie Snowpiercer? Yes. Okay. You know where there's, yeah, there was the dude that plays the human torches in it. Well, you know him as Captain America. Right. 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 Yeah. Well, to me, he's always human torch. You don't fucking switch. Sorry. It doesn't happen. Chris Evans, take that shield and flame on. That's all I got to say. But, um, they would take people's body parts. They would stick them outside of the freezing in the freezing cold and their arm would freeze. Unit 731 did an experiment like this. They would take you out into the middle of cold China. They would put different water buckets in front of you, different temperatures, freezing cold to super, super hot. And they would put your limbs in there. Some people would experience severe frostbite. I mean, to the point where your arm was completely like an icicle and they would take a hammer and they would beat the shit out of it and break it off. Unit 731, they used to do experiments where they would sew, they would chop your arm off while you were alive, no anesthetics, none of that. Sew it to the other side of your body and see how long you would bleed out. And if you lived, you had another arm on your other side. Oh, so you're just like Goro over here, but yeah, not so much over there. I read one of the most impactful articles of these people. If you really want to do a podcast of some true crime shit, these guys, like they have specific names, everything, all the people let in there. And there was a dude that was involved, which made me look at the Nazis a little bit differently. Like how many of those people that were Nazis actually wanted to kill the Jews or were they just doing it because they were afraid that if they brought up anything that they would be next and so would their family. That was yeah. a very popular thing. A lot of people don't think of, you know, seeing it from that aspect. A lot of people felt like well, what they well, were... it's a gang. It was a gang. Yeah, you're in too deep. Yeah, you're in too deep. Like, uh, I was watching a documentary about a guy who was accused of being, you know, a Nazi war criminal, and he was like, "I'm not. Like, you got the wrong guy, or whatever." And you know, there was hundreds of of Jewish people that confessed, like, "No." He was there. He ran the gas chamber, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, I don't know. I, like, I don't know. How, like, I wasn't there. Like, I can't say definitively he, that's the guy. Yeah, yeah, I know him too. Like, I, what the fuck? So, oh, God. Like, well, there's a, the guy, the case I read where the person was one of the people being tortured in the Unit 731's camp. And you got to think, there's Unit 731. You don't just fucking say, I'm going to call my uh, Unit 731. No, there's other numbers to get you to 731. So they had other units as well. So this is just one of them. But one of the most sickest ones. A dude, uh, I was reading his account and he goes, there were giant jars on the camp in front of all of us prisoners. Like these giant jars that were on the camp that had body parts floating in them. Like test tube shit. Like they would have chopped off hearts, chopped off heads, chopped off arms, just floating and scaring everybody that's working in this labor camp. And you want to talk about sick shit. The whole point of this story was you think of a serial killer as being somebody as being just this sick, twisted person. It's you think it's new. Like people always want to talk about serial killers being new things, being all this thing that's happening because of technology. That might be a factor, but it's always fucking happened. Always. There's always been sick fucking people. And th- that's that's like a a thing with like how I basically conduct this podcast. I was like, there's 
there's never going to be not someone that kills somebody ever not never you will have killers just like you'll have plumbers just like you'll have roofers just like you'll have electricians they are necessary regardless of how you feel about them necessary like we we might i i hope a plumber never has to come to my house but guess what he will i hope a killer never has to come to my house and if i can do anything to prevent it he won't but to somebody's house he will yeah it's it's really hard because i mean you got to look at people with the best light sometimes but of course it's awesome. she will i'm sorry but it's it's really hard because with people there are a lot of people out there that have something about them that is dehumanizing when it comes to how easily they can be desensitized to taking a human life you know charles manson for instance that just convinced people to kill other people you oh, know that was acid acid's really easy to convince somebody to do anything yeah it's the whole aspect though like whatever got them to that point is how they turned out. So you can't, you can dehumanize them. You could be pissed off about who they are, but they're still people. They just had a different way of getting to how they got there. You know, it's, it's not, it's not bringing in the rational side to serial killers, but it's also saying that you have to look at everything from a perspective, which you don't, which you do in your podcast, by the way, I want to give you here like a kind of a minute at the end to kind of, you know, promote your content, dude, because you have this podcast called Blood and Firewater, which is perfect because you talk about with blood, you got the true crime, and uh, you got firewater. You guys bring in alcohol into the situation, and that makes any scenario a little bit easier. You know, drinking something to kind of watch this shit and first of all, talk about it. Yeah, I um I got the name the the day my my grandmother passed away. No one murdered her, by the way. But I literally bought the biggest bottle of uh, Svedka I could buy because there was no other way that I could wash that emotion down than with alcohol. Like that, that was at the time. Today, I don't drink nearly as much as I did then. But like my grandmother was a very pivotal. She was the matriarch of my family. Yeah, so, a lot of people's are. and. I like it was it, it was an emotional dump. It was a very crucial point in my life. I had just had my daughter, my first and only kid, and you know, she had only met her twice, I wanna say. And like I I didn't want anything traumatic to happen to her so early on in age, but me being so further on, I, I knew that I had to basically make her understand like, hey, this is your blood. Like, I, I want you to understand that I wouldn't be here without this woman and so on and so forth. So she's what brought you here and what I'm going to basically make this podcast into is kind of sort of like it, it's it, it doesn't have everything to do about true crime like don't don't think that like we won't cover true crime cases but like we will cover true crime we will we'll we'll cover cults we'll cover um 
just the macabre. Like, I don't want to limit the podcast to just to just true crime. Like your your podcast, you have a lot of different people on there. Yeah. You have a lot of different conversations with a lot of different people, and like that's something that I could super appreciate you about. Oh yeah, man. See, I, the thing is, we got a voice. Everyone does. You know, when I messaged you, I was like, he's got his podcast. Whether you got a couple episodes out, or whether you got a hundred episodes, that doesn't mean anything. What means something is that you have your life, you have this thing, you have thoughts on this world, we got to express them. You know, I tell people, you don't send me your information, you don't send me all this stuff that you want to, you know, oh, can I be on since I have 10 degrees? I don't give a shit. Okay, it's not to de-rationalize that. Congratulations, I'm glad you did that. But I hold over my college diploma, I hold my, you uh the United uh, Church of Bacon, it's my ordained minister's license under the Church of Bacon above my college diploma. Only on the aspect of we hold these pieces of paper that want to express the way we're supposed to be or act as people, the way we think that that's going to get us somewhere in the world. They don't mean shit. Having a conversation with you has been intriguing to me um, because you've taken me into the life of, and thoughts of yours, especially. We, we sat down for almost two hours having a conversation, man. So it's like... It, you get to know somebody. That's all it right. takes. And I, I wanted to express like the importance of obviously, I want to give you a plug here just to be able to free your podcast. Because when someone comes onto my podcast or when someone tells me everything they have, I remember that shit. So when I have put my conversation or my episode on my site, whatever, and put, someone listens to it, it's, it's for you guys too. It helps the person understand you helps become rational you because we don't have a script in front of us we're not reading anything this is all going up just as raw as we did it basically i don't edit i don't do shit so I, mostly because i'm lazy and <laughs> when you're editing a two-hour podcast i can't crank out oh, six uh, or seven of them without freaking doing uh editing the whole time i'll be sitting there like this motherfucker says um 20 times in this thing and i gotta edit it out no no i wouldn't do that it's real shit i want you to hear that and I want people to know that because that's only going to create people that listen to this episode that want to chase after you, man. Well, I mean, I like, I, again, the, the podcast is, is not limited to true crime. It is, it's also the, the inside minds of me and my sister. We've both been forensics so so far early on that we didn't understand what it was like and with with that being said like all right to a point i joined the forensic club in high school and i thought it was like true crime related turns out it was a speech and debate club didn't know the difference like but it taught me that the forensic forensics is like the the breakdown of a conversation pretty much without without you know blood and murder and all that it's it's the breakdown of how people talk to each other and what i learned from that was you gain a lot more through the power of speech than you would ever gain from anything else like the the back and forth that we've had i've appreciated it very much like i've never met you in my life I'm glad I met you. Thanks. Man. And I hope that we continue to, to hang out and talk or do whatever the, you know, whatever we're going to do. But 
taking taking this experience in hand, I I appreciate more of people who like you want to just talk to somebody. Yeah. And and be a part of their lives and just meet them. Well, you, know what you, I mean? you come across so many people in your life. And I think for me, um, I, I, I started meeting a bunch of people that give a lot of default answers. Uh, you know, oh, how's your day going? Oh, that's good. Okay. Yeah. Keep on going. It's like, don't walk away from me asking me how my day's going. And then when I go to answer you, you're still walking. I'm not going yeah. to answer you back. You know, it's just take the time, whether it's an hour, whether it's, you know, to get to know somebody or whether just get to have a conversation. Nobody has to agree. Nobody has to do any of this type of stuff. And, you know, being able to t- talk to you has only better my life and better my knowledge on things that either I don't understand or things that I wanted just to get off my chest or something. You know, it doesn't take that long to have that communication in your life anymore you know just like you used to sit down with a parent sit down with a close friend just have a conversation you know everything nowadays with people has to turn into an argument it's not really fair um when you're always looking for just trying to be opinionated or get your point across sometimes you just have to sit listen and wait for your turn to speak yeah like you know, i i <laughs> my, my wife has the the biggest problem with that but you know when i talk to people for instance, like when I go out and say, hey, you know, do you listen to true crime or do you watch true crime documentaries? And I'm like, no, not really. My husband or my wife's really into it. I'm like, hey, well, let me let me talk to you for a second about why your wife or your husband may be into it, because I have a podcast that kind of gives you an inside look at people who don't look into it so much. like. I have way more insight than my sister may have because she watches the aesthetic of the podcast. Like you were saying, she, she wants to know about the murderer or, you know, how he did it. I want to know why I want to know when I want to know how I want to know all these other details that don't get so much hype behind the person. Like they give these serial killers. So, so many, so much credit behind you know the fact that they did it but no one cares about the victims yeah they don't they only want to know about yeah because the serial killer i guess gets all the glory really in the aspect of it you know everyone only cares to see what happens to him or see how he did it or see what got him there nobody ever cares about the people that lost their lives right so like with my episodes like i only i name my episodes after the victims not the killer because i don't i'm not for giving him or her the glory of the episode or the story or whatever. Like I'm giving the credit to the family. Like I want the family to know that their, their, their thoughts, the memories, all that shit's still there. It's as long as you don't forget it, I won't forget it because every case I've ever covered, I can't forget that shit. Damn. That actually brings a different, perspective and aspect into true crime podcasting because i feel like i've talked to a lot of people that do true crime podcasters and that's the first time i think anybody's ever tried to look at the rational side from the victim's perspective as well from the victim and the families and someone that could put yourself in that person's shoes you know how many times do you sit there watching a true crime show as an average person and you try and be like imagine if that was my grandma imagine if that was this and treat it as that whether you're just looking at it like Okay, this guy killed that person like this. You don't ever care about that. I've literally gotten sick from watching. I'm in the middle of 
I guess, rewriting the Chris Watts case. And I've gotten the first time, the first initial uh, rough draft, I got sick just writing about Chris Watts. Like I could not do it anymore. And I had to put it down. Like I was like, I'm done. I fucking hate this guy. Like if, if, if I ever ran into him on in like in any given situation, Boxing I probably would, I would not do great things. You're pulling out that nine iron. <laughs> so I like I, the, the nine iron, like, but um, Where all serial killers come from. They're all fucking golfers. You know it. <laughs> yeah, they are. Like a, a good bit of them are. To be honest with you, Tiger Woods w- could have swung the. Oh, I another golf pun. right there. Tiger Woods could have swung the other way, but he was like, "I'm gonna cut this place in the empathy corner." So, like, I just, I kind of, I, I, I definitely take the stance of uh, from the victim and the victim's families. I don't like to give the the killer a lot of credit, although he is a player in he is a you know an actor in this in these stories, and that's what people look for and i hate I hate that, so I'm trying to bring more attention to the fact that there are victims, not just one or two or forty or fifty, but these victims have families everybody is affected by these these cases relate to the humanistic side it's not cool to sit there and say uh the green river killer who murdered good god uh seven sixty seventy people he he's cooler than the people he killed there's no way i'm sorry i can't I can't get down with that. Shit, before I could even make that claim, I have to look at everybody's Instagram following, be like, all right, he's got 2,000 followers, but the guy he killed has (laughs) 6,000. He's got 40-something likes on this photo, and this dude that he killed got 600 likes. So he's right. You might be right about that. Uh, I I will give you the fact that, you know, he might have more street cred as far as the internet's concerned, but... This motherfucker's got a bigger following on the internet (laughs) media. I'm not. I'm not a fan of um, being the most popular person. So I but, care more about the people that actually care. You know what I mean? You yeah. Know, people always talk about like I've gotten this on my podcast before. Before I even message somebody, like, so what's your pot? How many listeners do you have? I want to know before I come on. I'm like, why the fuck does that matter? Like, right. it's out there for whoever wants to pick it up. Doesn't mean you have to have a legit following. I don't like my YouTube analytics telling me what I got on my stuff. I don't like Spotify telling me either. It's cool to know if people are listening or not. But oh god, I hate I hate the numbers, Chase. I w- I went down that rabbit hole right when we launched, and I was just chasing numbers every 10, 15 minutes. Just like, all right, how many I got now? How many I got now? How many the I got con- now? And then- the conversations I've had have been only the most best experiences and knowledgeable things in my head that have only turned me out to the person. If you listen to my first podcast to where I'm at now, the change is amazing. You know, I would, that's all I ever look at. And, you know, I'm pretty sure you'll see that too. I mean, just from like when you were a kid, you can see that to where you are now, the stuff that's happened in your life that have formed you to these moments. That's the same thing you got to take when you're watching or listening or doing a true crime podcast or you're just involved in true crime in general it's these routes that people take in their life to get them to where they're at today oh yeah dude i like i i had to i I told her 
it wasn't yesterday. It was two days ago. I was like, you know what? I have to, I, I literally left my phone. Like I was like, look, I'm gonna just leave my phone in another room, you know? And it, it, it's a baby step, but it's a step in the right direction as far as the analytics go and being a part of that demographic where now you do have a podcast and now you do have a, a following, but it, you, you really shouldn't care about it. You really should just care about getting your, getting what you want to say out there and not caring about what other people think. Like there, there's going to be trolls. There's going to be people that don't like what you think. There's going to be people that totally agree with what you think, but just don't like the way you sound. And I mean, like, like my, my mom's from Spokane, Washington. My dad's from um, Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm from New Jersey. And now I live in South Carolina. I don't know how to sound, to be honest with you. But you have <laughs> a voice, though. But I have a voice. And for people who want to hear it, here I am. If you don't, that's fine. Yeah. You know, like, I, I don't have a demographic. You got I'm, a I'm, soothing voice to me. I have an opinion, and if you want to hear it, you can. If you don't, just don't. Well, tell people where they can find you, dude. Seriously, I know you're on Instagram. You got, um, you know, you got a Patreon and everything too, man. I want to make sure people can find your content because I do care about not only the conversation but the people that are on here having stuff and they're trying to get something going. Well, you can find me um, at Instagram, at Instagram and Facebook at Blood and Firewater. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BFW Pod Squad, and our Patreon should be, I think, Blood and Firewater. It should be the same thing. Now, if you don't donate to that just on the name alone, just know after this podcast, Rashawn is a good dude. I am so, a great dude. Yeah. I, I am a good dude. And, and he'll and, kill you with an ice pick. <laughs> listen don't to cross him. Show. Yeah, don't cross him. I'll kill you with a Senate candle. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for Sean for being on this episode of Out of the Blank and stay tuned for our next episode.